Welcome to the SDR Disco Call podcast, a podcast designed for brand new sales development reps in the world of software as a service. Every Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you a new guest who's still in the role to share how or why they've gone into sales development, what have they learned in their SDR career and journey to date, and what three pieces of information would they like to share back to new and existing reps to help them become happy sellers. Every show is transcribed, recorded with links from the guests, which are available at happyselling.io forward slash podcast. I'm going to be your host, Neil Buyan, and I look forward to taking you into the world of sales development through the SDR Disco Call podcast. Hello all you happy podders. So in today's show we're going to be taking a little bit of a twist off the beaten track where our guest is no longer an SDR. However they had a very successful SDR career and then transitioned into the role that most of us want to get into which is an account executive. So I thought this would be very valuable for our listeners and our guest is going to share on how to effectively ramp up as an SDR, how to give feedback whilst working in a new scale up or startup how this person dealt with the frustrations and feelings of being held back in their career when they really wanted to get into the AE role, but also a really cool story of how I played a very small part in this person's sales career and in essence it helped them get promoted and how to progress into that team lead role and how to find a mentor to level up when you're taking that account exec position. So with that in mind, let's begin. Hi there guys and welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Call podcast. Today we have a special guest. This person I consider a really good friend. I really respect them as a sales professional and somebody I had the privilege of working with a few years ago at a company called Showpad. Uh, today we have Reese Mason on the show. Reese, welcome to the to the show. How are you doing today, sir? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks, Neil. I'm really good. How are you doing? Not doing too bad and all the better for speaking to you, sir. And thanks again for giving us your time today, dude. Um, So guys, uh, Reese, for the people that can hear you, but they can't see you, please, could you introduce yourself? Like, who are you currently? Where are you based in the world? Where are you working and kind of what do you do? Yeah, no, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm Reese Mason. Um, Previously worked in recruitment for five years as a junior recruitment person and then moving into uh, running my own recruitment agency. I now work for a company called Showpad. So we're an enterprise uh, sales enablement vendor. Uh, I've been here for three years, started as a BDR, moved into the team lead role, and now I manage our enterprise customers. Um, so I'm all about retention and expansion. Um, and I'm currently based in London. Thank you very much, Rhys. And uh, I, I do hold some fond memories uh, of working with you. I think it was back in, what, 2017? I think I was uh, an account exec at Showpad. And I remember what we was in WeWork Moorgate. And I remember one day this bright young lad, super brimming with positivity, walks through the door, smiling and everything. And I was just like, who the hell is this guy? Uh, and then you kind of sat down in, in the room, you introduce yourself, and I just thought, you've just got so much positivity about you. I've got time for you. Um, and obviously I've seen you grow and I've, I've followed you very closely um, on LinkedIn. Um, but as you mentioned, we're obviously going to go into our stories and rekindling our, our, our memories together in terms of sales enablement, Reese. But as you said, you were somebody that previously worked in recruitment and checking out your LinkedIn profile. I can see the stint that you did within recruitment 
Um, and then obviously being a client executive at Magentis and then coming into Showpad in 2017. And as you said, you're kind of a managing client today. I'd love to know, and for the listeners out there, like walk us through the story of how did Reese Mason get into sales and how did you get to where you are today, dude? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. So I, I first left, uh, first left college after studying fitness instructing, personal training, anatomy and physiology. And at the time, I was just about to leave college and I was actually personal training a recruitment manager who um, liked the way that I was, I guess, coaching him. And he suggested, hey, why don't you come into recruitment? Uh, you know, how would you like to earn £100,000 in your first year? And as a 17-year-old boy, I thought, wow, that sounds incredible. And then fast forward a year later, um, I did not earn a hundred grand a year. I was still a junior recruiter and realized that I had a long way to go. But I was fascinated by the idea of, of sales and helping people find jobs, helping companies solve challenges. So I worked my way up through recruitment. I moved around to different companies, um, getting promoted to heading up local divisions. Um, and then I started to um, create my own recruitment company called Tactics which was a spin-off from Magentis, and they work on a lot of consultancy projects. During my time there, I started to also do some work for Magentis as well and start to work with their clients, discovering projects, building out projects, these types of things. And I started to realize that um, Magentis themselves do test automation and software consultancy. So I started to get more exposure to the software side of things rather than resourcing. And I... I really found it fascinating. I really wanted to work for an organization that sold a SaaS solution. So I wanted to try and get into like, you know, the SaaS sales world. Um, I knew some people that were working in there already and they said that, you know, they really enjoyed it. And the more research I did into it, I realized that you can genuinely solve business challenges and you get to meet some great people along the way. So. I guess in, in a nutshell, that's why I ended up working for, for Showpad. Um, it's one of the, you know, the best moves that I, I personally feel like I've made in my career. I've met some incredible people along the way, inc including yourself. Um, and um, Showpad's been incredibly good to me, and I've been able to help a lot of our um, customers along the way. So, um, yeah, that's basically, I, you know, I wanted to help people. That's a common theme from fitness instructing, then into recruitment, then into solving uh, business challenges through sales enablement. So. Um, yeah, I guess that's the passion that drives me underneath uh, underneath everything. I love it, dude. And as you mentioned, so that's that's quite interesting. Like, I didn't know about the PT side of it, like with personal coaching and training. Um, and then somebody like recognizing your talent and saying, do you want to help kind of find talent for other companies? Um, and as you mentioned, you launched your own business and also working with somebody that's in your industry. But you then got interested within SaaS and, and within sales and then lo behold like you you came into one of the number one places in terms of sales and sales enablement at showpad um when you were that uh, that recruiter or that person going into that transition what did sas mean to you because i know with a lot of sdrs that are recently coming into the field sas is a completely new term understanding about startups is completely like a, a, a an alien world for some people um, what did it mean to you and how did you come to understand what SaaS was and why it was something you wanted to get into? It's a really good point. When I was recruiting in, in, my, in my early part of my uh, career, I would hire a lot of people who were actually implementation consultants. So they would come on site and implement on-prem software. And that was, you know, pioneering. That was 
that was breaking through technology. And then when I started to look into SaaS, I was like, oh, actually, everything is, is cloud-based. This makes much more sense. It's offered as a service. It's on a licensing model. So I was always interested in, in the cloud, how quickly SaaS solutions can be scaled for companies and implemented into companies versus something that's on-prem. Um, but if I'm honest, it took me a little while to get my head around it. Um, I remember when I first joined Showpad, I loved the concept of having this digital briefcase for salespeople. But actually, once I started to drill down deeper, I realized that actually there's a lot that I've got to learn here. Mm. Um, and you know what, what they were trying to achieve and actually what the product was really took me some time to wrap my head around, well, how does this actually work in practice? And how do other companies use this? And, and that took me a little bit of time to, to get my head around. Okay. And um, I can remember like those early days at Showpad when we were still building out the, like, the London and EMEA team. There was a lot of things that weren't defined. Um, we were a sales enablement solution, but we were still coming up with our own versions of what it was and how we pitch it. Um, and obviously, like when you came on board, it was like a couple of iterations later down the line in 2017. And mm. as you mentioned, it took you a little while to get your head around it. How did you get your head around it? How did you like learn uh, and kind of perfect like what you were learning? Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, first of all, I, I leveraged your expertise. So thank you very much as, as an AE. <laughs> um, but also not just speaking with, um, I, think, I think first of all, if you're joining a new company, make yourself known, spend time with top performers across the business, understand how they sell, how they position, and really try and understand the value proposition from a sales perspective. If, if you can understand how somebody runs a sales cycle, you, in theory, should be able to understand how to open the door for that initial conversation. I then went one step further and spent time with customer success teams, so understanding how they manage customers, different use cases across different industries as well. And then also spending time with um, any kind of professional services team. And obviously, this will vary from company to company. But I really wanted to get an end-to-end -end understanding of how do we position this to uh, a customer? What, it, what are the pains? What are the different personas? How are we solving their challenges? How does that roll up to solving a business challenge? How do we implement this? What types of integrations, for example, can we offer and why? And then how do we ensure the continuous success of that customer? I think once you've got that kind of understanding, you can then scale that back to your role. But it also means that you come across as much more of a trusted advisor. You're much more consultative. And you're not just a person trying to book a meeting. You're somebody who has a good understanding of how your solution can help that company. And people will give you more time. And it will serve you a lot better in, in the, the latter stage of your career as well. I love it. And it really reminds you of like the whole uh, Showpad intro deck that we used to do, like where we used to have this element of 80% of people are product experts and 20% mm. are consultative sellers. But it's the 20% of consultative sellers that close 80% of deals because not only do they know the platform, but they know the industry, they know what's going on in the world and what people actually need and want. And that's what people buy into. Um, and to be honest, like even myself, when I joined Showpad, it took me probably a good three to five months to really understand that well because sales enablement and I loved sales and the reason I joined Showpad was like if we're selling to salespeople or VPs of sales and VPs of marketing it's their job to sell visions and products so that's why I want to be learning from them not only from the tool but the customers that we work with but like for you how long do you, did it take you to be ramped up to you know be fully proficient get that understanding 
and be able to articulate that to a prospect on the phone or like kind of in a meeting? Yeah, it's a really good point. My ramp up period was, was six months. And after six months, I started to get a lot more traction in booking meetings for my, my AEs and really understanding a lot more about, about the product. If I'm honest, that first year, actually that first 12, even you know, up to 18 months, you're, you're still learning. And what I would say to anybody who's just becoming into uh, an SDR role is really use those first six months as much as you can. It is a ramp up period. You have more time if I'm honest, than you usually would. So, you know, once things get busy, they just get busier. So for me, I think those first six months was a great time for me to ask all the silly questions that aren't silly questions. There's no such thing as a stupid question, only if you ask it twice. So, you know, ask the questions <laughs> from everybody, um, really try and understand why, really just keep keep hammering on. But to be honest, it, it took me, um, yeah, it took me six months before I started to really get good traction. But even... Even after my first year, still still learning, um, still trying to shadow other BDRs across the business who were booking in meetings, listening to their calls or doing role plays with them to try and understand what what does good look like and and how can I tweak this into my own meeting. So um, ramp up six months, but all, always always learning, always trying to learn more. <laughs> I love that hashtag. Always be learning. I'm I'm a firm believer in that, and even to this day, I'm still learning from people like yourself as well. Um, and I think it's a really interesting point that you say there, like, you know, you, you had those six months, you were able to learn, like, not everything's going to, like, make sense straight away. And I do see a lot of SDRs that get frustrated because, like, they may be a month or two in, they haven't hit their, you know, their target yet. They're, they're, they see their peers booking meetings and stuff like that. And sometimes they feel that they're not busy enough. <laughs> and I always say to them, like, look, this is kind of like the quiet period for you. This is your learning uh, like mm. learning curve and I said dude or to miss like trust me when it gets busy you're going to miss these days of not like yeah. uh, having stuff to do sort of stuff and uh, I've seen it like throughout and I think equally what was interesting at Showpad was I joined when it was what we would call a startup there weren't as many people you joined in and I think you came at the point when we were a scale-up and you're now in a company which is deemed as an enterprise vendor and leader like for you, going through those iterations of Showpad, you've seen different versions of the company. What has that journey been like? And are there any tips for people that are coming into maybe they're at the scale-up stage and their company is now transforming and growing up? What advice and tips uh, would you give? I think the advice that I'd give to people that are a part of an organization that's rapidly growing is... Yes, you're in a sales position. Yes, you're trying to book meetings. But fundamentally, you're, you're in competition with yourself. So going back to the point that you mentioned there around, you know, during ramp up, people are booking meetings quicker than me or, or those types of things. When you're going through a fast growing business, it's always growth, growth, growth. And this is fantastic. There's going to be changes in the company. Processes might change. Uh, there might be a bit of a reorg. New, new people might join. Targets might change. I would just say, you know, don't, you know, all, of course, always be aligned to the vision and understand where you're going as a company. But just, you know, keep yourself grounded, keep focusing on what you're doing. Um, don't get disheartened if, you know, you might feel that there are certain changes that, that get implemented that don't benefit you. Don't get disheartened if uh, there's a new sales methodology that's rolled out and all of a sudden a colleague next to you is booking two times, you know, 
as many meetings as you are. You're only, you know, you're only at competition at yourself. You have your target. Just stay focused on what am I doing? How am I helping me? How am I helping my AE? And how is this impacting the company? Um, so definitely keep grounded. If there are any big changes that are coming up as you're growing, just make sure that you're aligned to the other departments as well. If, for instance, there's a big change in the way that they deliver professional services because you, you're pivoting towards of a, a more complex customer or, or more mature customer, for instance, spend time with PS, really understand what do those changes look like. Um, and as long as you're in the know, you'll feel much more confident about being able to ride the wave, ride those changes. If you become quite insular and you don't keep yourself up to date on what's going on in the business, um, or if you begin to shy away from reaching out to people in other divisions, then you'll become an island. And now that we're all working remotely, um, that can have a bigger impact than I think it would have before. So my, my top tip is, if you're going through a company that's growing incredibly quickly, um, keep yourself in the know, um, keep your head down, keep doing what you're doing, and try and understand where the business is going and how your role can help the company achieve those goals quicker and share ideas as well. Absolutely share ideas. Um, you know, there's a couple of processes that um, I've suggested to our leadership team at, at Showpad when we've been going through changes where you think, actually, I've got this simple idea. And I think if we were to implement this, things will be a lot smoother. So just speak up. You have a voice. If you're part of a scale up. You know, you're invested in their future. Everybody has a seat at the table and everybody has a right to an opinion. So, um, so that would be my top tips. I love that. Like everybody does, you're right. Everybody does have a seat at the table. And that's something that I felt at Showpad as well, because you're not just being employed to be another number or to be another employee. This company is looking to scale and grow and they need as many hands on deck to help out with it. So yeah, if you think there's a better way to do something or perhaps there's an optimized way that, you know, you could help the company or the company could work together, you have to voice those opinions and don't be afraid to, to speak up. I think in the early days, I used to see a lot of stuff at Chopin and be like, I wouldn't do that. Or maybe there's another way that we could do that. But I felt too scared to say, mm. but like PJ and Louis and David Dupree at the time were always recommending us to say like, look, if you've got this idea, we're open to listen. That's kind of why we've hired you to, because we want great minds like collaborating with each other. So yeah. a definite a big piece there. And Obviously, you were somebody who was very bright. You had a lot of cool ideas, uh, and that obviously led you on to uh, uh, being nominated for something. Uh, and there was a little bit of a what do you call it? I don't know. LinkedIn SDR celebrity life going on with yourself. Like, uh, what was the story behind that, Reese? Could you yeah. tell the listeners? Yes. Well, uh, first of all, you're a very good liar. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, I got nominated. I I think I just entered the team lead role. Uh, at Showpad. So I would have been in there for probably about a year. Um, I got an email um, and I was a bit confused at the time, but I got an email through from, I think it was InsideSales.com regarding the Sales Development Summit. Um, and I'd been nominated for one of the top SDR awards. And it was a global competition for people who um, had could either be nominated by people that they were working with or by their customers um, or by people who just know them and, and know the work that they do. Um, it took me by surprise. You know, I was really enjoying my role at the time, but I was, I, I was, I was surprised to see this nomination, but it was, you know, very humbling. Um, and then after a, a busy period, I think I ended up uh, number one in the UK. I was one of the top 10 globally. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was a really good experience. Um, I got to contribute towards an ebook, 
um, for, for BDRs as well in terms of an SDRs, you know, um, top tips, how to, um, you know, you know, advice and, and just things like that. And it was, it was a really great opportunity because I think as an SDR, it, it can be quite tough. You're, you really are, you know, you're constantly working towards a target. Each month that resets. You're constantly looking to hit your target this month, build pipe for next. Sometimes you'll deal with prospects who are fantastic and they give you the time that you deserve. Others may not be as nice and it can be a bit disheartening. Things get moved. So it was really nice to kind of recognize that actually all, all the hard work was, was paying off. Um, and it's been, uh, it, it was a huge part of my career, if I'm totally honest. Um, and after about, I think, six months of trying to track down who it was that put me forward, um, it was in fact you. So um, <laughs> I owe you a huge thank, thank you. And I'm, and I'm forever grateful because it was, um, it was a, really, a really big turning point in, in, in my career. And, you know, a lot of people will say that SDRs are the foundation of an organization. Um, and sometimes you, you don't always remember that. And it was, it was really nice to be recognized and it, it kept me motivated to continue on and um, helped me get promoted in, internally um, at Showpad. So for that, I'm incredibly grateful and, and, and thank you so much uh, for, uh, for putting me forward in the first place. Dude, beautiful story. And you're more than welcome. There's no thanks to me. It was all you. And for the listeners out there, like to, to kind of uh, Teresa's point, it was me that nominated you. And the reason I did that was when I was at Showpad and I was in that London office, I was very proud to be in that company and to be part of that team. And anybody that came on, I always wanted to make sure that they were doing their best to help our company grow because like we were storming the market and we, we, it was a struggle in itself, like with any scale up. And I saw this, you come in with this infectious positivity in the team. Like there was always banter in the office and people taking the mick out for like being in sales enablement and like content activation, but you really had a heart for it. And you'd come in early, you'd finish late, you would be asking questions, you'd always be looking to learn and you'd always be looking to help out other people. And I think it's those things of, you know, try to do good no matter who's watching, even when people aren't watching. But with somebody mm. like myself, I'm always watching people because that's my job in sales. That's what we do. We read people. And I saw the post come up and I just said to myself that day, I was like, who would I nominate? And I said, you know what? I want to nominate Reese. And I wanted to do it anonymously because I just wanted to see how you would take it. And I was so pleasantly surprised that you were humble about it. It didn't get to your head. It didn't cause an ego trip in any sense. And if it helped you in your career, I'm just happy to say I had a very small part in that. But I was so proud to see what you did with uh, that sort of attention and that obviously that helped towards where you're going and where you are now today, dude. I'm 100% humbled, honored, and oh, privileged to be like, uh, you know, as, as a good friend. Um, so again, guys, if, if even anybody's listening and you feel that you can give somebody some recognition or help them out, do it because it can really not only elevate their career, but it can give you a nice sense of happiness. You know, that's kind of my whole ethos on happy selling. I want to see a world of happy sellers and dude, you are one of the most happiest sellers I have, I've ever known. Um, but it, you said like it, it was just before that BDR team lead role. So a lot of SDRs that are listening into this, uh, fundamentally, they want to get into that AE and closing role. Uh, mm. But some people take that management step and obviously being a team lead, that's a lot of responsibility. So what was it like moving from being the SDR and then going into like a team lead? How, how did that come about? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I'd mentored people in recruitment before and I'd, I'd helped onboard new people and managed them to some degree. 
I think one of my biggest challenges when I first took on the role is that because we were still in that hyper growth mode, wow, well, we, we still are now, but because we were really, really pushing growth and, you know, we were a lot smaller back then, I kind of had the, I had the impression that my target would be reduced. Um, <laughs> and that wasn't the case. So I remember going, um, getting told that, you know, I'd, I'd been accepted for the team lead role. I was absolutely thrilled. I was friends with a lot of people on the team um, because I was worked in recruitment before. I was able to also hire people into that team. But the biggest challenge really was trying to manage all of that with us, with a full target, which um, I must admit is, is, it was probably one of the toughest things that I'd, I'd done because it, you know, you've, you're still working towards a number. So, you, you know, yes, you might be mentoring people one-to-one, getting people up to overperform or, you know, increasing their productivity and seeing those yields. And that's fantastic. But in the back of your mind, you're also like, I've got to get these SQOs, otherwise I'm <laughs> going to be in trouble. And if you're not delivering your, your team, you know, you can't push back on your team as much to say like, oh, guys, you know, we've had a tricky month. And they go, really, Reese? Well, how's your month going? So I really had to work uh, really above and beyond to try and keep up that that pipeline. But it was, um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great to see other people succeed. Um, much like yourself, in term, you know, putting myself forward for, you know, for, for that award, it was really nice to, I guess, give people an opportunity to succeed, really try and understand what, what do people care about? What is it that motivates them? Is it that they want to get into an AE role? If it is, great. Well, let's work together on a mutual plan to help you develop skills to become an AE so we can prove that. So as and when a role comes up, I can not only say that you're a top performer, but I can vouch for you. And I can also say that outside of that, you've been doing these extracurricular activities to demonstrate capabilities and to make that transition a no-brainer rather than a potential risk. Um, so yeah, I think the biggest challenge for me was trying to trying to hit a full target, um, which, which yeah, it was it was really tough. The time management was was something that I had to very quickly develop uh, and, and and hone in on. Definitely, I love it, dude. And you know what? Like having that leadership experience, it helps to make you uh, an all-rounded sales professional as well. Because I remember, like back in the day. Um, when I was at Zora and I was like the SDR manager, I was the SDR, I was the team lead and all I wanted to do was just become the AE mm. and my uh, VP of operations said, Neil, have you ever thought about management? And I was like, no, I don't really want to put my neck on the line for other people. Um, but he says, well, you one day said you want to run your own company. This is how you learn it. So I kind of took a sidestep before I joined the AE role and took it on. And to your point, yeah, <laughs> you're having to manage different egos different people managing your time but you also like you said you're accountable to the to the target as well mm. um and it helped me learn a hell of a lot and i think the one thing that i learned and i'd love to get your thoughts on this is i've had a lot of sdrs that have approached me where they're saying like they've done like the sdr role for about six months or perhaps up to 12 to 15 months and they say they want to take more responsibility they want to you know kind of upskill themselves even more mm-hmm. before going into that a role but they don't really know where to start and my advice is it's kind of like when you're looking for mentors, you can't just go and say, hey, Reese, could you please be my mentor? I need somebody to help me. The way I do it is like, Reese, what are you currently up to? And is there anything I can help you with? Because mm. that's how I learn from top people. If I can do something for them, I learn about their process and they can see me as an asset and maybe help me t- step up in my career. That's how I've always done it. But when somebody comes to you and Reese says, look, I've been doing this gig for a while. I kind of want to level up. Um, what advice would you give to them to like take on more responsibility, but also be able to handle it as well? Yeah, definitely. No, I, th- I think it's a great question. I think 
there's a period where you and I had this about a year of being a BDR where I I was at a good track record at this point and opportunities were coming up internally and I was like I I think I would be a good candidate for that role and you kind of convince yourself that you're ready and what I would say to a lot of people is that you're 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 not you're probably not ready because there's so much you you need to learn and there's so much that you're just not exposed to in that second half of the sales cycle so I think in terms of what you can do I would definitely try and align yourself to to other parts of the department just you know even if it's you know cross functions but specifically if you're trying to get into an AE role is by this point you would hope that you have a good relationship with your AE if you've been booking in meetings for them so ask for them to you know ask to sit in on their meetings ask to shadow them in return of course it's give get right if 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 you're if they're going to help teach you um bits of uh, of skills that you don't currently possess then what can you give back in return well maybe it's helping them out preparing for a meeting maybe it's mapping an account what whatever it is it might seem a little bit like grunt work but to be honest if you when you become an AE you'll need to do all of this anyway so you, without realizing it although it's give get it's it's kind of get get because you're getting skills <laughs> from your ae that you don't currently have and by helping make your ae's life easier you're also developing skills that you're going to need to move forward anyway so that would be that and if you don't get along with your ae or that you think that there's if there's higher performers that you want to try and associate yourself to in the business i would just try and reach out to that ae try and pick their brains um, you know, be complimentary and just be honest. Look, I'm trying to get into your role. I see you um, as a, you know as a top performer in this business, and I really just want to learn from the best. Um, could I shadow you? Would you be open to doing some mentoring? Um, and in return, if there's any additional support I can give you, um, I'll be more than happy to. First of all, you know, we're salespeople. Everybody's got a bit of an ego. People will be incredibly humbled to hear that somebody wants them to have have them as a mentor. But also you're offering to help make their life easier as well. So I think that would be my advice is, you know, just just try and get that exposure, try and learn what happens next. Um, because what will happen is if you don't, you'll get put in the AE role and you'll spend six months wondering what happens next. And then you're <laughs> six months behind. So yeah. that would be my top tips. 100% agree, dude. And I really love that. Like you said, like um, you got a partner with your AE, like, um, we both share a mutual friend, uh, Ariana, who worked at Showpad at the time, and she, I was her SDR, and she was my AE. And I saw this person that was so slick hot at sales. She was able to kind of really take control of the conversation, share the value proposition, and she was she was amazing. And I remember I sat there as her SDR, and I wanted to partner with her. I said, like, Ariana, whatever company you want me to go for, just tell me what it is. And like within two or three days, like Ariana, I've got you, you're meeting at this company. She's like, how the hell did you do that, dude? And I said, well, you wanted it. I wanted to go for it. But what I'd love to do is sit in on the demo. Could I please sit in on the closing call? Could I see what it looks like with a kickoff call? And she was always like ha happy to do that. And we had that give-give relationship where she tells me where to go. I will be like a knight in shining armor. I'll go grab that account. I'll book the meeting. Uh, and she also used to invite me on to... Um, face-to-face -face being so way before the worlds of covid yeah. i used to actually go on as a bdr but she did make me understand that i can't go to every meeting that i book for her um but with the important ones especially the enterprise ones that we would book together um, and she helped me close my first deal um which was scary i remember it was the company uh huthway international the creators of spin selling 
Um, and I remember it was 10 licenses. And I remember saying to her, like, dude, can you check over my sales order? And she said to me, like, Neil, you know what you're doing. Just send the bloody sales order. You'll be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it happened. I was like, yay, I did it. But um, now you've, uh, so again, for most of the guests that are listening, and we typically talk to like SDRs, and you were an SDR, and now you've transitioned into that closing role finally. Um, and that's the reason I wanted to get in to kind of show the progression of, you know, what it takes, the, the, gut, the determination that you've shown in your successful in what you do. What has it been like on the other side of the fence, like actually now doing that role? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the first, the first few months, it was, it was definitely a challenge. I think at this point, I'd probably been in Showpad for just over a year, coming up to 18 months. Um, I'd, I, I know Showpad inside out. I mean, I'm clear in terms of the, the product, the value proposition. But because I was still learning my trade and, you know, I was still learning, I needed to develop a lot of skills very, very quickly. Now, with Ariana, you know, fantastic AE that, you know, you've worked with and, and she was a mentor to me when, when I first joined Showpad. Um, I'd, I'd run some discovery meetings. I've done some initial demos, but I really needed to figure out quickly what that second half of the sales process was. So I was very lucky when I got promoted, I moved into an overlay AE role. And my role for about a year was to run my own opportunities, but to also um, almost be a secondary AE to other enterprise sellers in the team. Now, initially, I was quite frustrated about this because I just wanted to manage my own account. So I just wanted to, you know, I, again, thinking that you're ready. Yeah. But I'm so, so grateful in hindsight that I had that year to work with other AEs, um, understand how different people approach sales cycles. And if I'm honest, I think one thing that was really apparent, and I've always tried to search for this, and I think I've finally given up, there is no secret sauce. And it sounds so stupid, but for years I was always like, there's got to be one process or one way of selling that, that is the way that will get everything. It will, you know, it, it's got to be, it's the golden chalice. It's got to happen. It doesn't exist. Everybody sells differently. Everybody has a different way of approaching deal cycles. Um, some personalities work better on certain opportunities than, than others. Um, so I think, you know, stepping into that role, it was a big challenge. Luckily, I was already working with other AEs. So I had exposure where when I'm recommending next steps, I was much more confident on what I should be recommending. Um, and I wasn't kind of fluffing my lines to be like, uh, yeah, here's some info. I'll call you back in three weeks. Let me know. I was very much like, let's catch up on this date. This is what we're going to talk about. Becoming much more trusted, um, much more of a trusted advisor. So I think the first few months were, 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 were tricky because I had a lot to learn in a, in a short space of time, but having that overlay role. So, I'd, you know, if, if companies, if anyone's listening and you don't have that overlay AE role, you know, again, it goes back to the importance of, you know, get yourself associated with, with AEs, shadow them, understand what happens next. Because if I hadn't have had that overlay AE role, I think my first, year as an enterprise AE would probably be a lot different because there's a lot of skill gaps that you just don't have. Um, so definitely I had to learn a lot. And I, and I also think that once you start to get momentum that don't, don't think, oh, okay, I can do this now and start to take your foot off the gas. There's an analogy. I think it's a pilot analogy that they say that your first is the 150 hour rule. 
and mm. your first 150 hours as a pilot is actually your safest and because most crashes happen between 100 to 500 hours because people think oh, I'm a pilot I know what I'm doing now so they stop doing the extra checks they you know they kind of switch off a bit because they're like I can do mm. this now um that's something that I always try and make sure that each week I'm either reading something or I'm I'm going back through and I've got a bit of a mental checklist so you don't switch off and you don't think oh, I know what I'm doing now you should always be always looking back am I doing the basics am I doing everything is it you know analyzing is anything is anything going to go wrong could it go wrong if so how would I react to that scenario so um give yourself exposure to the job before you're going in um be, don't be afraid to ask for help like absolutely you're not going to know every question and if you go to your manager and ask them for questions they're not going to shoot you down they're not going to go oh my god you should ask that why are you asking me they're there to help you they're there to be coaches um yeah so so yeah Solid advice, dude, and I agree with you. It's their job to to make you successful. That's why they're in management. They've they've kind of been through mm-hmm. those. They've been through the trenches, uh, and they've got to help you out. And I really love that analogy of the 150 hours. That's your your safest point, and I agree with that because even today, uh, running happy selling, I am a one man band to an extent where I'm still having to do prospecting. I have to do discovery calls. I have to do training sessions. I have to close deals, do proposals, and it always takes me back to my days of an SDR or being an AE. And I always try to go into it not saying, I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional. I've done it for 10 years. I'm like, oh, I remember this. Let's go back into it with a new mind. Oh, I wonder how I'm going to be curious about this. Did I do a good follow-up process? And funny enough, like David Dupree was my boss at Showpad. He's my mentor today. I still go to him with like, what do you think of this proposal? And what do you think of this process? And do you know, like, what do you think about this deal? I still ask those questions. Um, and to your point, there's no such thing as a stupid question. I think it's stupid if you don't ask it and you just sit there, you know, trying to fluff it, which yeah. which isn't going to help anybody. Um, but no, I'm, you've spoken like a, a VP of sales, Reese, like that's some solid advice. So thank you for that. Um, and another interesting piece, uh, looking at your LinkedIn profile, uh, the thing that you have with the sales enablement social. Uh, and it's something that you are working on in, uh, in terms of meetups with professionals, but rather me pitching about it. What is the whole sales enablement social piece about yeah no well th- thanks very much for, for for mentioning it so i when i worked at uh, magentis we used to have um a meetup that we would arrange every few months and it was largely around uh test automation and what it was it was a it was a community to get people together and it was very successful and it was an idea that you can get people to network um people can learn from one another to so share best practices and also an opportunity for companies to hire as well. So what I wanted to do is basically replicate this within sales enablement. I saw a huge gap where, because I manage our enterprise customers, a lot of the questions I get is, is is this the right way that we approach sales enablement? Or is there a different way that we should be approaching this? How do other customers or how do other companies do this in my industry? And I, and for me, I just thought, well, there's a huge opportunity here to try and get people meeting up if it's every few months, just to literally, and it would be, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, there's no vendors attached to it. It's not necessarily a show pad meetup. It is a company taking to the stage to say, I am Joe Bloggs. I work for co- company X. Um, and this is how we approach sales enablement. These are our goals. This is what we've learned. These are the tools we use. 
this is the advice we would give our former selves. And, and, and essentially, it's more of a discussion point where other companies can say, oh, that's interesting. Have you tried doing it like this? Or, and those types of things. So for me, it's, it's a community where we're looking at bringing people together to network, to share ideas, to make sure that people don't feel like islands. People can reach out to one another, um, learn from, you know, from their peers. And also, as sales enablement and, and soon to be revenue enablement is, is, is blowing up, an opportunity for, for companies to, um, uh, to, to hire people and, and to grow their teams as well. So that, that's the concept. It's really about bringing people together, sharing insights and best practices in a vendor neutral capacity. There's nothing worse than you go to an event and so, you know, you hear this really interesting story and they're like, because we bought this specific tool and for only £10 a month and you're like, oh, come on, it's not genuine. So that's one thing that we want to do. Um, COVID has slowed us down a little bit, but um, what we're planning on doing is hosting some virtual kind of roundtables uh, before we look to uh, get things back on, on site, hopefully next year at, uh, at some point. Perfect. And if I was a sales professional, I'm listening to this podcast and I want to get involved with the sales enablement social, what's the best way to do that, to reach out to you directly or to what, what would you suggest? Yeah, definitely. So, um, yep, hit me up on, on, on LinkedIn. So Reese Mason connecting. Uh, we've also got a meetup group, which is on my uh, LinkedIn page as well. So you can go ahead and connect. Um, it's largely for sales enablement, um, sales and marketing professionals. Um, so any kind of you know, although I've come from a recruitment background myself, apologies, but any kind of recruiters, uh, any, you know, vendors, these types of things initially, they won't be accepted into the group because we want to keep it, um, you know, really bespoke to start off with. Um, but that's mm. not to say that won't change in the future. Perfect. I'll make sure I put a link to your profile in the show notes. So if guys, if, if this is something that's applicable to you, by all means, uh, I want to help out Reese. So feel free to reach out to him and connect and get on that. Um, and it's something I'd definitely love to, to kind of get involved with next year once it's all up and running again. Um, but Reese, it's been an absolute honor and privilege to have you on, uh, have you on the show. Um, just wanted to know what would be your kind of three bullet points or takeaways uh, for tips for anybody that's about to embark on this journey as an SDR, BDR, or maybe somebody that's, you know, looking to take a level up into the next role. Yeah, no, no, thanks. Uh, three things. Gosh, what would I do? Uh, three things. I think, first of all, there's a quote that, and I, I, I love this quote, it's a bit cheesy, but I love it anyway. Basically, Tetris teaches us that once we fit in, we disappear. And <laughs> I absolutely love this because I think in sales, you can you can get bogged down sometimes with the grind of, you know, day in doubt. So, so keep it fresh, be yourself, be original. Um, you know, only you can be you. So, you know, be yourself, be genuine. Um, realize that your way of selling, if it works for you, don't change it. You know, understand what works well, work on those weaknesses. Um, you know, everybody's different and everybody has a right to be different. I think if you look at, you know, music, for, in, uh, for instance, Kendrick Lamar, Metallica, Dizzy Rascal, Spice Girls, they're all experts, right? But they're all experts mm. of music, but they're all completely different in their own right. So, you know, figure out what works for you. Absolutely stick to that. Um, again, I think when you're trying to become an AE or you're looking at progressing or even, you know, even if you're just trying to hone down on your skills of being, you know, a good BDR, really take time to understand how does my product or my service genuinely impact a customer or a prospect? Spend time on that. If you, if you genuinely understand how you can create value, 
you will be much more successful because you'll be confident, you'll believe in what you sell. And if you don't have belief, the customers definitely won't and you'll lose the opportunity. Um, and don't reach out to customers unless they're genuinely, if you can see that use case, if you can see how you might be able to add value. If you're trying to call someone just for the sake of calling, don't call them. So definitely spend a bit more time on that. Um, and then again, I think the only other thing I would mention is um, just just continue continue networking with other parts of the business. Um, give yourself that end-to-end visibility on how an opportunity is created right through to how it closes and get to know top performers across the business. And I think if you can genuinely be yourself, have fun, be positive, you know, keep doing what you're doing, keep, keep yourself abreast of changes in the company, who those top performers are, why they're top performers, how you might be able to tweak that into your own, then I think that you'll be set up for genuine success in the long run. Spoken like a true sales professional, Reese. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Thank you so much. And before we pop off, are there any special shout outs that you'd like to give on today's show? Yeah, so I, I think very quickly, I think you've mentioned someone um, already. So I, I definitely say to, to Ariana, who uh, it was my former AE, I actually, you know, I used to run my my first early stage meetings uh, for, from her. So yeah, Ariana Von Amrap, absolutely. Um, a, a huge, huge mentor there. Obviously to yourself, Neil, um, for, you know, helping me always being positive always trying to push me always encouraging me to to do more um and i and i would also say to ian masson as well who is who is my current boss um you know i had a lot to learn very very quickly and so it was um it was a uh, it's really really assuring when you have a manager who understands who you are understands how you work best and lets you go on and do those things and is able to give you feedback uh, to, to, to help you always continuously improve. So those, those would be my, my shout outs. Well done, dude. Well done. All right, Reese. Well, look again, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I'm still going to be intently watching your career uh, from the sidelines and cheering you on, dude. It'd be great to have you maybe back on as a guest in the future. And perhaps we can learn more about the sales enablement social uh, when things come back into play. But Reese. Thank you so much. I, I wish you all the best of luck. And most importantly, dude, happy selling. Fantastic. Happy selling. And thank you so much, Neil. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.